and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. San Francisco time on the world's best internet radio station, BFF.FM, or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the debut LP from a band called Sir Chloe, titled I Am The Dog, and it starts with a song called Should I. You call, I answer, open the door, I enter, the glow, the candle, a feeling like no other. If I had waited, nothing would have happened, nothing would have gone the way I wanted. If I had waited, nothing would have happened, nothing would have gone the way I wanted. piece that started in Vermont when Dana Foote, who's the main singer-songwriter, was in college studying music, and she wrote a few songs from their initial EP as her senior thesis, and she kind of got a band together, and they liked playing together enough, and they got enough of a following that they got picked up by a major label and released this debut LP on Atlantic Records. Yeah, it's a very 21st century story that their first, yeah, their first EP is... I think recorded in a friend's warehouse using donated equipment. Mm -hmm. They said that it cost them $100 to set up that studio. I'm (laughs) dubious, but it's a really good origin story. Uh And they put out this EP. And what do you know? Some songs go viral on TikTok. Oh. And then the major labels come sniffing around and say, here is some money and here is a real studio. Oh, and here is a real producer and some songwriters you can maybe collaborate with. And the result is this record. Yeah, I was really interested in reading uh, interviews with Foote about how she characterized that process because it was really such a change for them. And she was really excited about being able to use a professional studio and have these resources and wanted the songs on this record to sound a lot more rich and with a lot more detail with a like a fuller sound because the first songs had been recorded in such a kind of haphazard way. Yeah, so it's funny because one of the first things I picked up on is this beginning of the song where we hear her very arch kind of art pop vocals along with what seems like a broken bass until you realize, oh, the bass comes in. And so what you were hearing, I guess, was a guitar just tuned way too low and those strings were just flapping around because they were so loose. <laughs> and it's really a... F- it's I like the kind of unhinged instrumentals with her very composed vocals that are, again, are so arty, kind of reminded me a little of St. Vincent. Mm. This is produced by John Congleton, who has worked oh. with St. Vincent, as well as a bunch of other bands that we have done on this show. Very interesting, because I hate St. Vincent, and I really like this record. Well, what I was about to say is, it starts off with that, and you're like, oh no, is that what this record is going to be? And then you're like, no, actually those choruses get so muscular guitar driven 90s guitar 90s college rock sound and 
the contrast between them, like, oh, I don't hate the verses because if it had been all like that, too much. But as the sort of like, oh, I'm kind of a little sing-songy and then I'm going to hit you over the head with this wall of sound. And it's a delightful throwback to the 90s. Really enjoyable. So the next song is called Salivate. first track which pivoted between the you know kind of modern art pop and 90s noise wall we get this track where we have that amazing guitar sound in the choruses that was such a like reminded me of garbage Mm -hmm. speaking of 90s bands like that guitar sound and the sort of it's clear but grinding it's Mm -hmm. pop but aggression Mm -hmm. and it's something that you know at the time seemed like well all bands are going to sound like this Mm -hmm. and then it turned out well no other bands really embrace that so it's fun to see them going back to that well and you know they're 20 something so i guess they were very very young when that music was being made and uh released yeah and her voice too reminds me a lot of garbage it's she's kind of it doesn't feel like she's trying too hard but her voice has a lot of range yeah i mean we'll hear a lot of variety in these tracks and it's Mm -hmm. you know one of the things that makes the song you know the album so listenable and uh, you know i think Another thing is I think they're not trying too hard in terms of let's stuff as much as we can into this because that's our first record. I think there's such a thing as not trying hard enough. I don't think they're doing that, but (laughs) I think they are like a lot of these songs are under three minutes. The first two are under two and a half. Mm -hmm. And this song, it's like, well, it's a fairly brief verse and then just repeated pre-choruses that are just the same word over and over again. And even the it's not very like complicated like you know they have an official bio that says oh this is a meditation on the way shame is leveraged and then the lyrics are like here comes the shame this is a song about shame like he <laughs> mentions uh-huh. shame in both verses and like okay uh-huh. well i guess i know what this song is about uh-huh. but not everything has to be opaque and a mystery to be solved some things are just you know music to be enjoyed yeah i mean i i think a lot of these lyrics are a little bit uh, oblique but she has said that she originally conceived this album as a view she was living with a dog that was a little bit reactive and unpredictable and sometimes felt kind of dangerous to be around and she wanted to write the song from the perspective of uh, write the album from the perspective of the dog and that's not really how it came out came you know not what all the songs are about but you can see which ones that was coming up in yeah the, there's a, a certainly an, some angry dog energy to this track and yeah dogs do are known for salivating she also said you know she writes she co-writes all of her songs with her guitar as Teddy O'Mara and the band by the way is also made up of Austin Holmes and her brother Paul Murfoot who's the drummer 
And the label put her together with Sarah Tudson of Illuminati Hotties, who is very prolific in working with a lot of great artists today. She seems like she's a really great kind of co-writer who comes up with a lot of ideas and prompts. And Teddy Geiger was the other one. And one of the songs that she co-wrote with Sarah Tudson is the next song that we'll play, which is called Center. variety that comes in in these first set of songs because the first two feel very 90s throwbacky in a good way and very crunchy guitars and this song is so kind of sweet and poppy and it's got that acoustic guitar strumming sound yeah i love that the the guitars are very not very processed and to the extent that there's any processing sound it's like the bass has this kind of echoey watery sound that's almost like a surf yeah. surf rock sound yeah. that is a nice counterpoint with this almost it felt very like almost like a 60s jazzy pop song well, you've got that almost like xylophone sound in yeah. there that also adds to that yeah and i love that as we throw the rug out from like no this isn't going to be a loud 90s record that this third song actually in, in my mind is like a good partner to should i where there was this notion of like i want to be impolite and just bite into you and it was like this very aggressive notion of taking ownership and mm -hmm. agency and relationships mm -hmm. and here's this a very similar message of like yeah i'm gonna bite into this popsicle mm -hmm. and get right to the to the heart of it because i don't want to wait and you're worth you know mm -hmm. you're worth it and it and yet here that same message is not aggression but it's very sweet and cute and it's mm -hmm. just a sweet love song well, I was surprised to learn that the prompt that Tudson gave her was write a song about a heart-shaped lollipop. And I, listening to this, of course, thought of the Tootsie Roll Pops where it took, you know, the owl is talking about how it takes three licks to get to the center. One, a two, a three, and then you bite into it. And so I was disappointed that that was not what the image was. No, so sad. <laughs> anyway, the next song we'll talk about is called Leash.
I think this song is where I realized that this is a pop record, but it's a it's really comprehensive going into so many different styles and merging them together where, you know, we had that 60s almost sounding track. And now this, I feel like parts of it feel very much like from maybe 10 years ago, metric or something. But then there's this Ooh, guitar work okay. that sounds super like 80s, 90s, almost like echoes of the cure for me. And when you said the cure, I totally thought of the beginning of just like heaven with the guitar line at the beginning. Yeah, the, the guitar tone and the and the, the guitar line, just everything yeah. about it is so reminiscent of that time. And with these wonderful lyrical touches of really just fairly aggressive, like I'm putting you in your place, like you're the dog coming through the dog door, stay on your knees. It's pretty aggressive. Yeah, there's a lot of dog imagery here. And she has talked about this album being about kind of finding control in the chaos of the world and the, the, the imagery of the leash is a good metaphor for that and one of the things she said about the album as a whole is that when we were first writing the album what I had wanted to do was have it start off as I am the dog and then at the end you turn and you're telling something else to be your dog so you're taking this agency that one didn't feel before that was sort of the loose idea that I was going for and I feel like that is kind of that vision kind of comes out in the song. Yeah, it's really energetic. It really pulls you in. It's scary. There's that feeling of control, but also like a house over a sinkhole, like everything mm -hmm. could fall apart at any moment. This real, like, I'm pulling you in, I'm pushing you away. That line of like, I'm nobody's you is so like evocative and spooky. Yeah, and that, I spent way too much time thinking about that because the cover of the album is a sh her hugging a sheep and then there are some other shots of her with like baby sheep and she talks about the how they had to kind of come up with the visuals in a short period of time and they brought in this, uh, an adult sheep and two baby sheep and they did all these shots with them and she was talking about how the sheep had a booking agent and that was like how you found the sheep and the one on the cover is named Bertha anyway. And so I was like, <laughs> is that nobody's you like E-W-E? like a sheep but no i think the visuals all came together at the end so and we couldn't find any official lyrics for these songs so we're just kind of going by what we're hearing yeah but uh yeah and there's a, a few nice little songwriting touches here of like there's this pre-chorus going into that first chorus and then that instead becomes like an outro so when we hear a chorus and then that's after the last chorus going into the outro and so it's kind of fun to see that inversion which you know i think mostly this isn't super like experimental in songwriting style but there's some nice little touches like that that give it a sense of color and variety that's really fun and we at least get some good different animal imagery on the next track it's called hooves
song is so weird. It's such a like driving kind of 90s sounding pop song, but then it's about a goat. Like someone who's like walking into the club with hooves for toes and then chewing on someone's hair. And they talk about the, you know, blinking, how their weird, their weird sideways pupils, like the slip pupils. I kept hearing the sound of Brian Fellow's Safari Planet, the goat skit. I um, won't try to do the voice. Thank you for that. But I mean, you did an owl, but uh, no, I, I mean, I think, you know, a goat person, someone who is a goat and this idea yeah, of like, man. yeah, they may not know that you're a goat, but I know you're a goat. I know that you're, those feet are actually hooves. And so I, to me, it's like, I think on some level, she, and she said, oh, it's just inspired by how weird goats are. <laughs> like I'm inspired by their, their eyes and their weird eyelids and how they can just watch out for danger. Mm-hmm. And yet here it becomes inverted into like, oh, this person's kind of awful and has just is sort of compelling and also repulsive at the same time. And so this entirely clearly like she can't stop paying attention to this person, even as she's like, don't hold my hand, like stop chewing on my hair. And I take (laughs) you to go eat grass, but eat garbage instead. Like it's just, it's a, it's such a fun track. And I love that the album has this pure, like very angry rock, then really light pop for a couple tracks. And then we go into a couple of songs of, super angry but also super pop like just angry dance like so, it's so I, fun i don't i wouldn't characterize them as angry i think they just have like an urgent energy okay not ang- aggressive yeah and, and aggressive in the best possible way yes and uh i think that we go from that to the slowest maybe most open and quiet so- song on the record it's called obsession that there's room on this record for such an expansive spacey song and yet i love that for all of the buzzing synths that when we go into the chorus there's actually this almost acoustic sounding guitar in one ear that really anchors it as well as i think later in the song there's even some piano sound and it's really nice to have that in the mix as this entire thing slows way down and lets her voice shine yeah, she's got such a beautiful singing voice. And she did say in, in an interview that I read that this was her favorite track on the album. And it's so kind of slow and moody and different from the rest of the songs. But I like that this album has such a variety. And one of the things she said was in an interview was that, you know, it was their first album with a major label. So we definitely got a lot of feedback on what types of songs we were, quote, supposed to be writing. And I think we have a healthy combination of songs that are our babies and songs that are the labels or the people's babies. And so I spent time kind of figuring out which ones I thought would was were her babies. Um, but this is definitely one of the ones that she felt most proud of. Yeah, it's an amazing change of pace. And I love that it 
you know, really opens up. And I think this is to the, I mean, most of the songs I feel like are very much about this kind of power in relationships, but this one feels a little bit more about her own kind of self-destructive impulses. And it's nice that it's not one note, either musically or thematically. And so we come from this to, I think, a song that combines a lot of the different musical strengths and thematic strengths of the record. It's also the title track. It's called I Am The Dog. It's the penultimate track. That too. another song where I love the atmospherics and the studio tricks that are brought in here. I feel like the the production that John Congleton has brought to this really brings so much to the sound and taking these songs that were great, they have great bones and the structure is fantastic, but then just adding all of these layers and production touches gives it such more heft and makes it so interesting to listen to over and over. Yeah, this song is so big and so dramatic and I would describe it as cinematic. It Mm -hmm. has that very much feeling of putting you in a place and this energy and it's something that feels like it needs to be played in a huge venue and you know the the college radio dj and me this is a major label band and they're not out there playing tiny venues they're playing arenas opening for beck and phoenix Mm -hmm. and that makes me a little sad but also because you know, I don't want to see them. I don't yeah, want to conquer pavilion. A bummer, yeah, bummer that you we won't be able to see them live because yeah, I'm not going to go to a giant arena to see them. Yeah, I mean they're playing a handful of of headlining sets at smaller venues, mm-hmm. but the Bay Area is not getting one of those, and a bunch in Europe. But this is a song. This will fill an arena. This energy, and there is an entire like minute long build later in the song where it's just this wordless voices this kind of chorus of angels or demons or both building up to a final triumphant chorus and the catharsis here is off the charts it's just amazing yeah dana foot says that she they really love playing live as a band and that's what really gives them their energy and so she's written all of these songs with the idea of how they will sound live and there's a real focus on that and you can tell a lot of them sound you know despite the production glosses they feel 
they have a live presence. Um, there's just like a lot of energy in each of them. And I think this, I I I look forward to seeing them live if, and when that happens. (laughs) Yeah. It is, uh, the, the weird thing of like the rapid ascent and also the weirdness of, you know, I mentioned the TikTok fame and the fact that they got the major label and instead of making videos, they made visualizers. Mm-hmm. So there's not really videos for this album. There's just these weird little snippets of video or a lyric video. And it's like, oh, if anything, you would think that a major label would throw their money behind, but it's the 21st century and you just need to have a weird animation on a streaming service is more important than an actual video. And it's a brave new world, but, you know, it's again, it pop music. If pop music is, if this is the future of pop music, then that makes me a little reassured because it's, it's very, it goes down easy, but it is aggressive and weird and, and and surprising and and takes so many different influences and merges them together in ways I I wasn't anticipating. Yeah. One of the things that foot was commenting on, on the difference between touring in the Europe versus the U S is that in the U S guitar music just kind of went away for a while. And of course that that's not true there were bands playing with guitars but it wasn't the popular thing for a long time and it's i i always find that disheartening because i don't like electronic music or you know I, i i'm much more of a live band person and so hearing people playing guitar rock that sounds fresh and interesting and alive is always very exciting to me so i'm excited to see more from this band yeah for sure and it's it is pretty amazing that you know you Someone who has wanted to make music since she was young, went to school, studied music, and her senior thesis became this band that gets signed so quickly by a major label. And no, I was really impressed. You know, there's 11 tracks on this record, and the it's not like the other three were bad. We just didn't have enough time to talk yeah. about all of them. And I... Yeah, extremely re-listenable in, in a huge way. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with pop when it's this interesting. So the last song that we'll go out on is called Feel Again. And she has talked about how this is always was always going to be the last song on the album because it's often the last song they play in live sets. And she feels like it has a real kind of cinematic, conclusory feel. Yeah, it's triumphant. Yes, exactly. So we're going to go out with that. Again, it's called Feel Again. We've been discussing the debut LP called I Am The Dog from the band Sir Chloe. And you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. I just wanna sit.
is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.